Hey, welcome back to The Soundtable. This is episode six, and today we're gonna be chatting with Riley. I'm your host, Austin, and I'm joined by Miranda. Hello. I'm really, really excited for this episode because Riley is a good friend of mine. He's somebody that I've been working with now for a little bit over a year. We've done a bunch of music together, but he has a really cool kind of unique story on how he got to where he's at as an artist and where he's been throughout the music industry. So we're going to chat with him today and learn a little bit more about his life as a tour manager, how he got into tour managing, how he kind of parlayed that into a career as an artist, how he's collaborated with some of the biggest alternative acts in the world, including people like Chase Atlantic, Black Bear, Lil Aaron. He's even collaborated with Mark E. Basie recently. So we're going to get into how he's built all of these friendships, how he's kind of navigated the industry, and how he continues to release really, really, really solid music as an artist. But before we dive into the episode with him, I did just want to give a quick shout out. He just released a new single called It Never Rains in LA. I didn't work on this particular song, but it is a banger. So definitely go stream it after this podcast episode and check out all of his other music. We're going to be chatting a little bit about his upcoming album that I did work on quite a bit. So if you like his music, get ready because there should be a lot more coming out fairly soon. But without further ado, let's welcome Riley onto the sound table. We're here with Riley. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast, dude. I really, really appreciate it. How you doing today? Fantastic, baby. <laughs> dude, thank you so much for taking the time to come on. I know a lot of people who watch Make Pop Music probably know you. We featured your songs in our videos. We've talked about you on our socials. I've been working with you now for like the better part of a little bit over a year. So I'm sure they're all going to be a little bit familiar with you, but I would love to kind of start the episode just by talking a little bit about you and kind of what you do, how you got to the point where you're at now. I know you've kind of had a crazy musical journey. You've kind of TM'd for a bunch of people. It sounds like you've been in like a bunch of different circles. So I'd love to just kind of hear your musical journey and, and kind of how it got you to where you are today. For sure. Um, I mean, man, to start out, I'm, I'm Riley. I'm from Los Angeles, California. Where did this all begin? Where did the story start? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I always, I, I was always one of those things where I, I loved music. I loved creating. I, in the earlier days, like in high school, like was when I started first creating music. Um, and it was kind of along the same lines. It was, it was a pop R and B more hip hop led project. So it's kind of all been similar all throughout the beginning, but you know what when it came down to is in high school towards the end of it i didn't want to go to a normal college i didn't want to like sit through four years of something that i wasn't going to care about um and right. you know it's funny i ended up going to hair school i, I went to cosmetology school mm. so oh, that's cool. i was uh i was a licensed hairdresser still making music doing all that and uh, i had a bunch of friends who were like you know growing i grew up in huntington beach and a lot of my friends at that point were like in reggae bands and doing things like that. And now they're like, can you come out with us? So I ended up tour managing like for the first part of my, my life. And it was one of those things where it was like, you know, how, how are my chances going to be of making it as an artist? I do enjoy doing this, but financially, how am I going to be able to like have the two? And I fell into tour management and it was one of those weird things where like I loved it until I didn't love it, you know? Right. So I was working in a salon um, and I got this offer for the first full U.S. tour and I went in and told the owner of the salon, I was like, hey man, I got this opportunity to go out full time and be in music and he's like, 
you would be dumb not to take this opportunity. And I kind of, right. ne- I never looked back. Um, what was that first tour that you did? I remember the very first one I did was like a West Coast leg with my boys that were in Pacific Dub, which is like, they're great dudes. They've been some of my best friends forever. But like, I think it kind of stemmed out from there. Maybe it was a Warp Tour or something like that that I did. I don't know. There's been so many tours at this point where it's like, they kind of all blend together as one. Um, right. You know, and after that point, it's like, I kept climbing up the ladder as a tour manager. And it was something I never expected that I would be doing, uh, but I I loved it. I love being with my friends. I love being around music. I love making these shows happen and and having a place where people could be together for the same common love, you know, and be in mm-hmm. one room. Over the years, I, I kept progressing and progressing and moved from the Warped Tour world. And my first like big pop act I had was Capital Cities, and my first tour with them was like a full South America tour and. It was just, it was one of those moments where I stepped up to a whole nother level. And, and in your career, I'm sure you've felt the same way, like in the production songwriting world. And you just, you have those moments where you're like, oh shit, I just leveled up. I leveled up again. Right. Like, so I kept doing that as a tour manager. And, you know, through the end of it, I had, I was tour managing Black Bear. And, you know, we had been friends prior to me working for him. Okay. And it was one of those deals where, he didn't even know that I was a tour manager because I like I kept mm-hmm. it very just like, yeah, that's my job. But that's not me who I am. Right. And, you know, he asked me to come out with him. So I think like towards the end, the, the final this is kind of when I made this transition of like, what am I doing with my life? I had Barrett Coachella and I'm making sure my crew has everything set on stage for his set the first weekend. And I look out into the crowd and there's like 50,000 people you know, just all there to watch him. And I, at that right. moment, I remember that moment where I looked out and I was like, if I don't do this for myself, I'm going to regret it the rest of my life. Right. You had like and an existential moment where you were like, yeah, that, I, it, that's it gotta was be crazy. Yeah, yeah, it was. And I, I knew that it, I was capable of doing it. Like I knew that yeah. what I was creating the whole time was good enough to be at this level. And, and it's, it was hard because during that time of tour management, I stopped doing music basically i was like i i'm focusing all my energy into just tour management and i had this like lack of creativity and like i felt just a a piece of me missing right and it's and i still get that to this day when i'm when i'm out or not able to create and you have that moment where like i need to be doing this like i still get that to the day and that's how i knew this was the right move like i knew it was going to be difficult I knew financially it was going to be a rough move, but I was like, if all plays out right, I'll be okay. Like, and luckily Mm -hmm. through tour management, I had made enough money to where I was able to just be like, look, I'm focusing full on what I need to do. And that was kind of around the time where me and Michael Barr were hanging out a lot and he introduced me to Dan Bronstein and Dan Bronstein, just like he, he, Dan's, Dan is an amazing producer mixer engineer but his main priority is not r&b we call it fuckboy r&b you know that was what the, <laughs> right. the the term we the we coined that phrase fuckboy r&b um and it was one of those things where he was just making some songs for michael Barr. he was doing a lot of he did all the mixing and writing with like emotional oranges and like all these big things but he was also his main thing was metal he he was like right. the starter of volumes with all the guys. And he was like, 
he is so good at what he does. But he took time and was like, I would love to work on this with you. And that was when I saw when Dan we, was a producer on your album and stuff, I was surprised because I come from the rock and metal world. So I'm right. really familiar with his work with like Spirit Box, Volumes, Spirit Box, all of those kind of yeah. yeah. And so I was like, oh fuck, he's doing this like R&B, like 80s pop infused, like yeah. hip hop pop album. That was not expected was, for me. It was so cool because when we sat down to talk about it, like the first time we, we went in and I explained like, these are all the things I love. I love big analog synths. I love the big drums. I love just like the ballad feel. If we can make a ballad feel into a normal upbeat song, like that would be ideal for everything I want to create. But have the sliding 808s and have these moments where it tells a story of like, you know, at that point I was, I was going through, I was going through hell, you know? And it was like, I, f I feel like it, it all, everything kind of aligned perfectly at that moment of, I needed to talk about what I had been going through in this moment of from when I stopped tour managing to when I started as an artist. And a lot of that was just like what I, what was happening in LA for me. And I feel like at that point we were able to bring that to life, you know, starting with the EP, you know, before the EP even came out, Young Pinch had me on tour with him when I had just a few songs on SoundCloud, which I've known him since we were we were young. And then after that, I got able to do the West Coast Dates of Warp Tour. So before I even like finished the the EP, Love Was Never Enough, I was already on tour, you know? Wow. That was a, a pretty big moment for me because all the years that I had gone through and played, or I mean, tour managed Warp Tour, I was now an artist on the tour. And Kevin Lyman saw my set in... Uh, what was that in Ventura and after I got off stage that was supposed to be the last show I was there and he's like hey if you want to do this tour I'll promise to put you on some stage every single day and that was like right. kind of the the start of it all because at that point I was still like to this day I still tour manage a little bit like I still have mm -hmm. artists but like that I was tour managing managing Chase Atlantic on that tour and that was how we kind of became super close was from Warp Tour and just our mutual love for music, the music we make and kind of where we are. And it's kind of just been uh, leveling ever since, you know? It is a wild story. And like, it's crazy because I know several tour managers and they're all like beloved by their artists and their acts that they're working with. But I don't know if I know any others that are as close on like a deeply personal friendship level as like you with almost every artist that you work with. Right. Like every time you post something on Instagram, it's just like blue check mark, blue check mark, blue check mark, <laughs> all showing you it's love. And I'm like, it's, it's so because crazy. Riley's worked with all these people. And and the thing was when I worked with these people, I didn't mention that I was an artist. I never went into a job that I was working as like hey, here's my ulterior motive. I'm an artist. Like, I'm trying yeah. to actually play this. Like, no, I was there to do a job. Bear didn't even right. know I was an artist. Bear, when I right, told yeah, Bear, you told I me that. Yeah, when I told Bear that I had the equation, he's like, why didn't you ever tell me you were an artist? So I was like, because I do a job. I'm good at that job. And why would I fuck up our friendship? Because I know what people are asking for. I know how people are coming at yeah. you. And it's the same for all my artist friends. Like, they don't... At this point, it's a little different. Like, I'm an artist first, and now I tour manage second. So when I'm right. off, like all tour manager artists, like, but in that, in that beginning stage, like I was just a tour manager and I kept all of my music side in, in the dark because I didn't want to ruin 
friendships. I didn't want to ruin relationships. I didn't want to ruin what I had because I knew at the end of the day, I've seen it happen a million times. People try to come in, they act too cool. Then they aren't focused on what they're doing for these artists, what they came here to do. And then it blows up everything. It's like, I'm not that guy. And I keep these great relationships with people because that's who that's who I've always been. Like I'm not I'm not here to fuck people over. I'm here so everyone can achieve their right. common goal so we all win together. That's like my biggest goal. Like yeah. I'm down to help however I can, whenever I can, you know? I think that says a lot about you though, because there are so many people, I would say probably most people, even if they didn't do it intentionally, if they had any connection with any of these artists that you've worked with music wise or tour management wise, is it's hard to accidentally not fall into that like oh, well, I can do it for a little bit of clout or like I might be able for to parlay sure. me tour managing Bears Coachella date for a feature on an album that right. ends up doing crazy numbers. And so yep. like, it's really crazy that you've kind of just had the integrity naturally and you've never really cared about kind of the clout of your inner circle. It because never, when I see- It never mattered, man. It never yeah. mattered to me. It was always like, I'm hanging with the people who are good people and who want their friends to achieve. Like I- I mm-hmm. never went in this. When I started this, I said it from the very beginning. I was like, I don't care if this is one stream or a million streams. I don't care about any of it. And now it's like, I look at when I started and like, I remember when the EP hit 10,000 streams in total. And I was like, right. holy shit, like this is insane. And now I look at my streams today and it's like millions of streams. Yeah. And you're, you're working with literally everybody under the sun. Dan produced a bunch of your music before we were working together. Right. And then just artists that you've collaborated with, you know, you've got Bear, Chase, you've got uh, Lil Aaron, you've like literally, I was looking before I had met you, like before I had sent you the DM on Instagram for us to start working together. Like Miranda and I were listening to your stuff, just chilling outside. And I was like, this dude is just coming out of nowhere. (laughs) And I was like, this has got to be like an industry plant or something. Cause this guy's like, he's doing numbers, but then he's got these crazy features and these crazy production teams. I was just like, this is wild. And so, yeah, I think the first song I probably heard was summertime. Yeah. And then that transitioned into me listening to the full length. And Mm -hmm. then that listen, that transitioned into me listening to your first EP. And I was like, all oh, this is gas. Like, Thank you, bro. And then ever since then, I think I probably met you like two months later. Yeah. And now we've been, we've been working pretty been consistently it for ever about a year since. on, yeah, dude. <laughs> How many songs have we got in the bag? It's gotta no, be a dozen. So Easy many. dozen. So many at this point. And that was like, and that's the thing, like, that's what's cool about this. Like in the whole process of everything, like you grow as an artist. Like, you know, when me and Dan created what we created, it, it was at a point where I was like so bad in my addiction and like not caring. I was, I wasn't doing things to purposely hurt people, but the way I was acting and the way I was, I was using in sessions and like just, I was being a shit bag and like right. it took the love out of what we were creating. And it, for some, for someone that doesn't create that as their primary purpose, like why would you want to go on continuing to create stuff like that? And that was when me and Dan had the conversation. Dan's just like, I don't love this. I don't love creating this anymore. Like I, I know what I love creating mm-hmm. and I know what fulfills me. And I was like, I, I totally, I get it. Like, I understand. Like, it's like m- me or you creating something. You're like, I fucking hate this, but I'm still doing it for a check. You don't love it. You're yeah. miserable. So, you know, and at that point, you know, I had the album, the album was done for so long and then 
we were like, fuck it, it needs to be put out finally. So we finally put the album out in 2020. Boom, height of the pandemic. Yeah. Which was kind of a good thing and a bad thing, but the bad part was I was I was on tour constantly as an artist at that point, and it all stopped. Right. And I was like, oh shit, what do I do now? How do I figure this out? No label, no job, nothing. Yeah. And luckily, that point in time, I... I was basically locked in a studio every single day, creating, creating, creating. And it kind of brought me to this point of like the darkest points of that I've ever been in, you know, as right. in like in my, in my mind, how dark it was just with my drug use and my, just everything that was going on. I, w I was so on the edge of quitting everything. And right during pandemic, this label reached out, they're called snafu. And they're like, we want to do a three single deal with you. And from that point, it was so crazy. I was like, wow, this is wild that this is happening. And at, at this time, I was like on the verge of like, I need to get sober again. I need to fucking figure out my life. I need to just, I need, I need to get it together, you know? Right. So I remember like us going to lunch with the label in North Hollywood somewhere. And I was just like, on a sick one <laughs> i was like let's order wine i'm drinking wine at like noon on like a weekday and everyone's <laughs> yeah. like kind of looking at me like damn that this is that guy so roughly after shortly after that was when i was like fuck i can't do this anymore so i uh right i got sober like kind of right when the the deal the three singles were done and nick um at thriller had hit me up originally in the in the very beginning when i released the ep and you know he's like i'm just a fan of the music i would love to work with you in some aspect it didn't make sense at that point and he came back around and it was one of those things where like i call him god shots i got sober and i get this call from nick again and nick's like i'm starting a new label with bob it's called fearless records we would love for you to be a part of this and from there that kind of stemmed me that solidified me as a real artist to me like mm -hmm, having right. a, a, a a finally a, a record deal because that's something i've always wanted but to achieve it in such a quick time i think it was like two years in total that i went from starting the project releasing the first song to signing this record deal maybe three oh, but wow. it was like it was one of those moments where i was like damn, I can do this. Because, you know, you we talk about this all the time. You get in those moments where, like, am I even supposed to be doing this? Like, I f you feel right, like yeah, a fake. Question everything. Yeah. You, mm. And, I like, I had it the other day. Me and Hannah were sitting on the couch. And I'm like, I was so worried about, like, what's the next step? Like, is the option going to happen? What? How is it going to go? Like, how's it going to go down? Am I going to write songs that people actually fuck with? Because as an artist, I'm so concerned about creating and then I have to worry about how it's going to be received. And then right. it, you get in your head about that stuff. And I, I finally have to just, it's hard to take the step back and just focus on like creating and, and being in that moment, like in the beginning where I'm going to create this. If I love it, that's good enough. Right. It's really easy to do that when you're creating just to create. But now when it's, it becomes your job, it's yeah. like... You've got the whole pressure. extra pressure of like, I want art to remain art, but at the end of the day, art also pays my bills. So it's like, it does. There's and a bit of pressure what's now. So rough, you know. And then you know, through all this, like, I have, you know, I met Hannah, and which she has been a a, a rock through all this, and it's great. She she doesn't un, she doesn't come from music at all. She just 
Southern Belle, North Carolina, like just doesn't understand the music side. So I have to explain it sometimes. And, you know, through all this, we had our, our daughter and it's been like a life changing experience for us. And that's, you know, I know we're kind of ru- running through this story, but no, it's great. It's, I love here. I, I've been working with you now for a year and I don't know most of this. Yeah. So this is great just for me. <laughs> and know, I'm assuming our, our listeners are going to love it. Yeah. You know, running like through this and, and having Scarlett, like it was one of those moments where, you know, I even said from the beginning, like, I don't think I'm ready for it because I was so scared about Oh yeah. having someone that fully relies on you and you yes. having to show this person how it is to be the pillar in every situation possible, you know, right. and give endless love and support. And, you know, and at times the reason I was like, it was scary is because I sometimes, you know, you get in that mode where that even feels like hard to give to yourself. But, 100%. But now it's like being in it, I, w- I wouldn't change anything ever. Like, luckily, yeah. I still do everything I have to do. I just have to do it around a schedule now, you know? And, and yeah, around nap I time. Yeah, I can't <laughs> wait till, you know, Hannah and Scarlett can come to the show and she can have her little cans on and be on stage with me. Oh, like, right. it's that, that kind of shit. So that, cute. It changed the whole, the whole view of, of why I do what I do now. Like, it used to be everything that I did was so that I could have some sort of gratification to me. Now it's right. long-term effect of how it's going to help and support them in the long run, you know? Right. I lo- yeah, now I the love legacy buying. goes beyond yeah. you. Yeah. It's it's not just me anymore. Right. Well, congratulations on Thank you, dude. on having a family, man. Congratulations on having Scarlett. Congratulations on, on getting sober. I know that's Yeah, it's Especially during a, a pandemic, yeah. that during would be pandemic, really hard. That was real like, hard. You were like, let me just make my life really difficult. Dude, it <laughs> was literally so nothing gnarly. else to do. It was so gnarly. And that was the thing. Like I would lock myself in the studio every day and I I like heavy drugs and I would do heavy drugs and then uppers and then I would do LSD and I would just like sit and smoke cigarettes in the studio and make music. And thank God that my my work ethic was never tampered with when it right. came to my drug use and what I was doing. Like I was always focused on like getting it done. And mm-hmm. I think it, that was why it kind of got me to the point where I was just like broken down because I was focused so much on everything besides myself. And I was just trying to push everything to the side until it finally right. got to that breaking point of like, fuck, this needs to change. If it doesn't change, yeah. there's no way I'm going to be a, be around to like enjoy the, the success or whatever comes from this. Like, I'm not going to be able to enjoy it because I'm not going to be able, I'm not going to be alive for it. Right. While like the boredom of the pandemic, I'm sure created like that battle within your head. Do you feel like it also kind of assisted you in staying sober because you weren't going out on the road, you weren't touring, you weren't playing shows, you weren't with a ton of different people? The, or do you feel like it was like me, the opposite? It was kind of the opposite. Being on tour for me is always like, I'm one of those people that if I'm busy, like, I can do I can do whatever and it wouldn't matter. Right. But being at home, the good part about it was I had to sit through every feeling and emotion and do it with nothing around and sober. And that was yeah. that yeah. was weird, you know? It was so weird to do. And it was but it was one of those things where it was kind of freeing because I knew at that point it's like if I could get through this and this is going to be the most difficult part, I'm going to be able to get through whatever doing this. Oh, and right. it's and it's been good so far, you know? Well, congrats, man. That's Thank you, a huge accomplishment. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, it's it's just good to see you taking care That's of yourself. That's like two years now. Coming up two right? years. 
Yeah, Damn. wow, that's amazing. Yeah, coming up well, to good years, for you, man. Over. Yeah, and thanks for for sharing that story. I know Dude, a lot of, of people I'm are. Not, I'm not afraid with talk. stuff like nah. that, and that's totally understandable. It's part of my story, you know, and that's why, like, you know, when everyone hears the album when it comes out, and that intro that we just said, it's like that very beginning of it when I said it's like I didn't even want to wake up anymore like I woke up and I didn't want to wake up and that was like my feeling every day of like I'm gonna check myself in this last time and I'm because I'm tired of waking up not wanting to wake up you know right and I feel like this this album is a is a big part of that that story you know it's kind of the continuation process of Los Angeles Los Angeles was was the place that I, I named it Los Angeles with two S's because it was the album that it gave me everything but took everything away from me so quick. And that's kind of the story of L.A. It's like I'm I'm so in the mix of, of everyone and, and friends with everyone, but deep down I had my demons and I was able to to do what I wanted, but I was so focused on getting what everyone else wanted, not what I was right. trying to get. You know, I was trying to get everything that looked appealing from the outside that I had no idea about. So I was just, and then this, you know, when I started making this album, I wrote it from, you know, this one's going to be called city of angels because it's basically the rebirth of, of me and this angel coming to life, even through like the rust and, and the, the like decaying moment of self, it's like coming back to life and being this whole new person in this place that you once were. So I think it was like a, it ended up, this ends up being like a good story cap to that, to like that whole series of, of my, my LA life. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just so ready to get these songs out. I feel like we've been listening to these songs for so long now. Yeah. I think I know every word to every single one now. So I'll be there at the concert knowing all of it. it. How (laughs) wild is it that we literally just wrapped up the album too? Like Like at the time that we're recording this, this is July 21st. We wrapped the album like probably an hour ago. I know. Seriously. I, I literally sent to Matt, like, I don't know, probably 30 minutes before we jumped on this. I was like, Hey Matt, the album is fully done in the folder. Please let's just get on with it because I'm ready for these songs to see the light of day. And like, luckily we've been doing all the single things. But mm-hmm. I'm ready for the, I'm a body of work guy. I'm not like a, I hate doing this. I love putting out singles because it gives people a taste of the music. But when you have that moment where you listen through an album that you, and then you end up loving it. Yeah. Like that's what music does for me is like, I'm the guy that likes to listen through a whole album. Well, and like you can hear that yeah. with your records. They have intros, they have interludes, they have outros. There's certain sounds and patches that come from one song to another. Right. You've got like little motifs that carry through. And so like when I heard Los Angeles, cause like I said, I heard the single with, with a little Aaron and I was like, Oh, this is such a fun summary, you know, kind of, kind of banger. And then I listened to the album and I was like, this shit is sad. And yeah. I love it. <laughs> and I was just yeah. like, it's something like, this shit is sad. And I mean, it's I'm usually like telling artists to just be like, yeah, you have to release singles to like get your name out there. You have, you know, you yeah. don't want to invest all this time and money into a full length, but you've already kind of built that core audience. Right. You've got a fan base. You've got a group of, you know, really loyal friends who will support you and help spread the word. And so to see that you kind of have that opportunity to create a body of work. And then you also have that artistic vision. Like we were talking with Joan a couple weeks ago and they're just now I making love, their first full I love their ever. music, man. Dude, Aren't they so, so fun. I literally so just good. wrapped up a song with them and I, Alan all just of us are dads. Me right now. You're doing the dad podcast. <laughs> I Dude, know, that's we it. are. And you guys all have girls. All uh, girl do we, dads. They both have girls too. That's yeah. So have girls. <laughs> yeah, but we were talking about 
how different it is to like create an album versus singles and like you have to have those motifs you have to have the theme mm-hmm. it's like it has to be it's not just 10 songs that you were like these are great songs we're going to package them together as right. an album you set out to create an album like I remember a year ago when we were like when you were like I'm doing a deluxe of Los Angeles can we get two or three for that and I was like yeah let's do it and then after that you were like okay so here's the album here are the songs that we know are going to be on it we have to figure out how to tie all these together right. and finish it and I remember we went into that knowing like okay here's the theme here's the kind of sonic structure that we want and that is such a different creative and collaborative process rather than just being like I'm gonna make something that feels fucking right. insane and it's gonna go off just yeah I'm, this is one of the first so that like the artistic vision was there from the start where normally when I'm making an album we know it's gonna be you know eight to ten songs or whatever but they're like let's just make a few bangers yeah, or at least like the singles and then we'll kind of fill it around in. it rather than going in with the idea that's like for me right mm-hmm. that's always a priority first and foremost is like coming with the entire role like i've had the album artwork idea ready and like thought out with chris since before we even started it like because it's wow. it's the move of like how and you can see through the singles, like the, the girl that's on all these singles, like she is slowly rusting out and she's growing angel wings. So like, so that'll be like the, her final form. But it was one of those things, like even for that, I had the idea prior to going into it. And I knew like, these are the, the, I, the, the ways that I want to keep it and at least have this essence. So it still ties in from the last album and my sound is still my sound, you know? Right. Your artwork is crazy. Shout out Chris. Shout yeah, out Chris Shell is crazy, just dude. Create nuts, so dude. wild. He's like, and it's so funny. We've been friends for so long. The first uh, 3D thing that he actually rendered out like fully was the Los Angeles cover. That was when he started doing 3D oh, wow. work. So real, and then he did uh, Beauty and Death after yeah, that, and right? So I linked him up. So at that point, because I was so close with the Chase Boys, I linked him up with Chase, and then he started working on all of their stuff with them. And Crazy. just to see what how he's accomplished, like, dude, he's done like Ariana Grande, he's done stuff for Bieber, like he's he's big league guy. But like, we're just so so close. Like, he's one of my, I'd say one of the best friends I have, and we talk all the time. And he just has he's such a like genuine soft soul, but loves to just twist the knife. Like he's like, we right. bash each other bad. <laughs> bad that's crazy yeah it's cool to it's cool to hear that like you kind of helped put him on to to some of your friends because yeah. i mean i saw the the prada prada me artwork when you posted that teaser and i don't think you had sent me that one before i know you had sent me the deluxe but i was like holy shit yeah. this is crazy you got the girl sitting on the car with like the drippy like, like even down chrome, to the triple s Balenciaga shoes she's wearing like yeah that and the ysl sweats and like having the m3 in it and like my my logo's embossed the on the M3 side M3. Like, it's wild, man. He's he's on a whole nother level when it comes to design. And, like, that's that's been my creative guy since, since the beginning. Like, I think the first, the artwork I did up until, I think, Love Was Never Enough EP, that was the last artwork that I did. Right. And then after that, I was like, Chris, I would love if you could be a part of this and help me out. Like, and then from there it's been him doing all the stuff with me. Right. But I can't do anything technical. So he, I just give him the idea and he goes, Hmm, that's going to suck, but let's do this with that idea. Or that's great. I'm going to run with that. And then I just let him go. I don't have to, I, it's like at that point, like me and you, how we work, I don't, I don't question or like 
try to direct. I just let you do what you do. I tell you how I like things and what I what I would like to hear, and then I just let right. you go run. And that's what the same with Chris. I just tell him, hey, these are the ideas I have. If this works, great. Let's go from there. Because everyone Love that, it. like it's a creative thing. Like I don't want to take that out of mm-hmm. out of this. Because that's what we do. We want to create. Yeah, it takes like the enjoyment out of it if you're like micromanaging totally. of how people how to do, tell people. How to be yeah, like at that guy. point, just hire an art intern that you can just like sit there while they do it and just right. be like, this is exactly what I, I want, want. But you control Photoshop. I don't want that. Yeah, I, I would love to talk a little bit about the collaborative process because I know a huge part of your journey has been collaborations. I know yeah. you've had quite a few noteworthy features on your stuff, but then I know that you like to to drop a crazy verse on on somebody's track or drop a crazy yeah. hook. So I'd love to hear what kind of the process is like of you collaborating with all these different artists and getting in all these different writing rooms because everything I hear from you is top tier. But, you know, sometimes you're working with Loot and then sometimes you're working with Lil' Aaron and then sometimes you're working with Chase Atlantic. All three very, very different styles. And somehow you found a way to (laughs) slide your way right in there. You know, it's funny, like, when I started, I... So, like, I'd say... I think the first feature that I did or I had was... Chase Atlantic, we made that song under pressure. I want to say that was the first one. Um, and from there, that was that was a rad process because we just got back from tour and all of us just went into the studio with Dan and we all made that song. And from there, it's like I I want to work. I don't care about. Obviously, I I love that you know people. It helps my streams when people have significant things. But like, it doesn't mm-hmm. matter if I fuck with the song. I'm gonna I'm gonna do the song. You know. Mm-hmm. And like having, you know, interest in music, like what Luke creates, like that was perfect for that song. And Wakayo, who produced that and, and we made that song together, like Wakayo used to, I knew Wakayo from tour managing. Really? And he used to be in Tonight Alive. So he was the guy in Tonight Alive that wrote pretty much everything in that band. And he quit Tonight Alive to solely work on production and songwriting. And it was the same thing. He's like, why didn't you ever tell me? Like, we've been fr- like actual friends for so long. I was like, because, dude, we're friends. But I wasn't trying to, like, take. I wasn't trying to do that. And, like, you know, that stemmed to, to making a whole bunch of songs. And, you know, the little Aaron thing, for example, on Summertime. Like, I just had this moment. Like, we have so many mutual friends and hang when we hang. And I was like, this would be so cool with Aaron on it. And because I knew how, you know, Aaron's music normally is, what he creates, and this pop song, I was like, Aaron's a pop writer. Like, he is, like, right. he, as a songwriter, that dude is a, is a fucking pop writer. And he is so good well, at Well, he's what got he, hits. He's got big hits, dude. And yeah. that was one of those things where I was like, all right, I want to put him on this song that's more of a pop song, and I think it would be fire. And it was so funny because, you know how... His tune is normally up high, like in a lot of effects. I was like, all right, you're going to probably right. not fuck with this. Let us, let me, let me dial it back for this one. And that was the first session I ever engineered someone else. I engineered Aaron and he's like, oh, you actually kind of know what you're doing. I was like, I'm faking everything. Like I'm just doing enough <laughs> to get, I literally just did enough to get it in the system so that Dan could fucking do what he did to the rest of it, but he he tracked it and it sounded great. I was like, well, and that was the point of like, all right, cool. I I I don't really have to worry if I need to engineer someone. And now I'm like, at this point, right. it's like I've been engineering all the shit myself from home. 
which is mm-hmm. right. my nightmare. I fucking despise it. But I wish I had an engineer at the house. So I could just go, hey, all right, let's record. You know, so I didn't right. have so to, you could just like be at the mic and yeah, that's it. But now it's like now I'll go into sessions and I'm like, I bring all my own shit because I just engineer myself <laughs> and it's way faster. I know exactly how it's going to sound. I know exactly what I'm going to want. But yeah, so Aaron, that was fun. That was fun. Like a fun moment in, in my career of like engineering someone else for once. Well, that song was crazy, too, because like you said, he's a huge pop writer and definitely has the pop pin game right. on lock. But like his music for him to put his name on it, like when we listened to that song, she was like, I think I know Lil Aaron. And I was like, you definitely do. Like yeah. Escalade, Drugs. Yep. She was like, oh, I do know this guy. Yeah. She was like, that sounds nothing like it him. It was a sick, it was like, a sick switch up. It fit yeah, it was. so well. And so like, I just, I don't know. I feel like you, either when you have features or when you go feature on somebody else, it's always like this mesh of what they do and what you do. And then you kind of meet in the middle and still have like easily digestible pop that feels a little bit more complex and like top 40 stuff. And it always Thank comes you. out crazy yeah if you could collaborate with anybody that you haven't worked with yet do you have like a short list of somebody who would be like yeah i, a dream I mean collaborator? I, of course i of course i have li- a good list um i'm a huge nav fan <laughs> like nav okay so like you know i teeter back and forth from like the pop world to more on on the rap r&b side of things and mm-hmm. like for me it's nav is i don't know why but i just love nav's music like nav would be up there on top you know this artist from the west coast blast kaylin for real for I real i love blast so yeah. much yeah it's just like and oh, that's yeah. like kind of west coast right now and that's what i told matt like the you know when we start working on the next stuff like we kind of have been it's way more with the feel of it's not so pop anymore i, I like i want to get back to like the ep roots of things but like yeah there's that you know, just doing the last, you know, this new one with Marky Basie, like, I've always loved his music, which is sick that we finally did that. Who else? West Side Boogie is fucking crazy. He's another L.A. cat. Who on the major side of things do I really love? On Pop I love Clown. the West Coast representation. Yeah, like, that's just, and that's where I came from, so it's, like, obviously ingrained right. in me. But, like, also Valley, like, love Valley, <laughs> like, that band from Canada. Yes. Insane. And the nicest group of people, like, just so talented. Um, 1975, always. <laughs> but, you know, how right. that's going to roll. That would be amazing. Yeah, it would be <laughs> so great. Um, and then, like, you know, a young thug, Free YSL. But <laughs> Brent Fiennes. I love the, the diversity. I it's love that all you're, over like, the Valley, YSL. <laughs> yeah, like, sense. you know, it's... Because I, I take from so many different genres of music to create what I create, and... And it definitely Mm -hmm. shows by, like, how vocally how it is, but also, like, the way the songs are written. But really, it comes down to, like, it's a wet, it's like, I don't know, man. It's, I just, I create what I love and I want to create with people I love. And I think that's where it really, that's why it's kind of all over the place. Because I can make a pop record one day and then I can make an R&B record the next day. And then I can make an alternative song one day. It's like. It can be all over the place, but I think that's what right. what's one of the qualities of of my music and how I create things. Yeah, especially because they also go together. Like it's not like yeah, you're listening to an album and you're like, none of this shit goes or right. flows. Like it all still flows really well. It's crazy. Which is so well, wild it helps that you have such a distinct voice and writing style too. Like yeah. Thank you. I know immediately. I'm like, oh, it's a Riley track, one hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, I love I love that, and I love that now. It's kind of like 
gotten to a point where like that is a Riley song or like that is a definitive like I've I've solidified what I am as an artist and that's why I stick to it mm-hmm. even though I can still switch it up and do different things and you know features with some like a bunch of different friends like I can do the EDM song like I'm working on this song right now with this artist Fairlane like from Canada he's crazy EDM producer but like it's still a pop song right. mm-hmm. but it's still an alternative song but it's still a, can be played at fucking EDC and all those big festivals so it's like yeah I love just being who I am and creating with other people of what they love so it's been it's been a blast man this last year I feel like has opened up so many doors I mean honestly that's why I got into creating pop is like I'm kind of like ADHD and I'll get burnt out of a genre right but with pop it's sick because I can kind of like dive into do I want to go a little bit more hip-hop this week do I want to do a little bit more electronic and it's like I don't know. You can't do that. Like when I started in rock and metal, right? like, you know, you can transition into doing the pop projects. Like we just talked about with Dan doing, you know, your kind of pop R and B project, but it's not the same as like, you're not going to have every single day be something completely different. And that's what I love about making, you know, pop music in particular. Right. Yeah. I know we were talking kind of about the importance of growing up in LA and kind of, you know, that's your roots. So that's a lot of the music that you like is from there. I know since we're friends, I kind of know how big LA culture in terms of like, you know, street culture with cars and clothes and just how, how has that culture kind of influenced you as an artist, like outside of your personal life? Like how big of that is an influence? You know, it's so funny that growing up, I was like in car clubs, like, you know, you've seen the Audi, like I have a, a lowered pink Audi on full air ride, like so I grew up in like European car scene, but like I grew up listening to Snoop Dogg and Dre and all these things that were so West Coast collective that lowriders were in everything. And I feel like my style and everything right now has has kept that way. Like I'm, I wear a pro club shirt and I wear camo pants or like a pair of khakis or sweats. Like I don't, I don't steer from what I what I know and what I am. And it's one of those things where that's it's so funny because i don't really think about it but that's so ingrained on the west coast of like you don't have to like like have this facade of like all of the the bullshit of looking some way like i just i'm i'm a i'm probably a very scary looking person to a lot of people walking around the city you know but and i always am like which is funny because you're the nicest yeah (laughs) (laughs) that's why i'm trying to keep it it's funny because walking like you were saying like i'm the nicest person ever but it the way I look and the way I am, I walk into these rooms and it defers the people that I don't need around me. So it, it like keeps right. away the people who yeah. like are going to totally judge from the, the jump of things. And it keeps away, it like, it makes my circle small. Like I have a very, as connected as I am to as many people, I'm, I have a very like small close friends group that I'm always in contact with. West period constantly. Mm-hmm. Chris Shelley, Matt, my manager, um, my buddy Jake, uh, Gerald Reed, like all these people, like I just, I keep close. Cause those are like the real homies, you know, in my life. And right. The, I, from the jump, there's never been any judgment, even at my worst of times. So it's like, now I know, like, I don't need to impress and I can just look and dress the way I am and be who I mm-hmm. am and not be expected to like be this asshole or have questions asked about everything I, like i fuck i don't want to deal with it so it me looking the way right. i look it keeps keeps the people away that don't need to be in my life and that's like a big Smart. factor of like you know kind of the west coast is like 
you stay away. Like you don't need to be involved. <laughs> you don't need to be a part of uh, everything. Yeah. I was just about to say, I think that's the difference of somebody who is born and raised in LA right. versus somebody who moves to LA for sure to try to like make it's because there's that like big uh, notion that like the move to LA is like the Calabasas look, you know, it's right. like the, going to the, going to the med spa every week, have yep. the designer clothes, have the fancy shoes, have the all white car. And then everybody that I know that was born and raised in LA could not be more like they don't give a fuck about literally any of that like it doesn't matter if they like that stuff then they like it because they legitimately like it not because they think that somebody will think that they're fucking cool for liking it yep it's what it's what we gotta deal with it's cool to see though that like culture plays a big part in kind of your music and your sound because i moved around a lot as a kid and so like even and even the places i lived was like pensacola virginia beach it's like you know i can say that i lived where Pharrell was born for like four years. That's about as big of like a musical (laughs) nod as I ever get. But other than that, like, yeah, I'm not really tied down to a place. So it's always cool to hear somebody's story that born and raised, it kind of like flows through their veins and is kind of like something that even if they wanted to get away from, they'll never be able to. So it's cool to see you pay back to LA. It was so funny that you say that, you know, we were just like having the baby and all that. Like we were talking about Cause, dude, it's getting so expensive here. <laughs> like, oh, I yeah. can't imagine getting I was expensive just everywhere. Ask, like, how pissed off do you get that fucking everyone moves nightmare. there? It's a fucking nightmare. Oh, I believe you know. And it was one of those things where we were looking kind of all over. I was looking in Texas. I was looking in Vegas. We were looking kind of all like places close enough because obviously we wanted to keep mm-hmm. be close so that my parents could see the baby and like, of course, she could have family around growing up. My sister has kids and all that. But like we we were literally dipped out of LA and we're in Orange County now and like <laughs> just said fuck it because my parents yeah. are five minutes down the street and we we pay a little bit more but God it is so like this is the first time I've lived out of LA and fucking no, who knows how long and it is so nice down right. here yeah like, I'm not dealing with bullshit anywhere this is like it's quiet I'm five minutes from the beach I'm <laughs> I can go Dang. I can do everything I need to do. And I didn't want to raise my kid in L.A. Like, that was the other thing. Like, Yeah. yeah. And I'm still close enough. Like, I'm on the outskirts. Like, Long Beach is right next to us. If I need to get to sessions in L.A. now, I've done my time in the city. I don't need to be there anymore. You know? Yeah. I don't. You're a dad now. Move out. Move out. Yeah, I'm Orange County life. Go to the suburbs. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) And it's it's a, a theme that we always get into is, like, we talk to a lot of people who don't live in like the big center of LA, Nashville, New York City. And like, you know, my whole career has been like working remotely. So right. it's like, I understand that there's still a vibe in like an in, in studio session, but I mean, you're working with so many people that almost all of that can be done totally. remotely. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I have And so if you just find it. something that suits your lifestyle. Yeah. I have everything to do where I can do everything from home. Like, I don't need to spend mm-hmm. money in studios and hang around so a bunch of people can be in the session, smoke weed, and, like, I don't need to deal with that anymore. Yeah. Right? And I'm kind of grateful that that phase is done in my life. I would love to, like, be... I don't, no, I, I wouldn't even love it. Like, I would just... it's I'm close enough. Like, I have everything I need now. Right. Like, I'm close enough to everything. Like, I'm good, you know? Right. Yeah. Every time somebody asked me if I'll ever move to L.A., I was like, I don't... I mean... I have a nice house in like central Florida and I can honestly get a plane ticket to and back from LA for like 200 bucks. So if there's a session that's important enough, the artist will pay for me to fly out, hang out for two or three days. And then I can go home 
right. where I can afford two hundred dollar flights once a month exactly. because my mortgage is not eleven thousand dollars. Right. You know. Yeah, and what but, you guys—that's the same thing. Like what you have there is—it's so what you get for your money is so much better. And like that was kind of one of the things too. Yeah. Of like right now until we're at that next phase of like seeing what happens in this next thing like I'm still I'm able to support my my family through music which is crazy to me that right. that that's possible so it's like now moving on to the next step like what's next after this like where do we go like mm-hmm. right and obviously I'm like looking to be in Long Beach like we love Long Beach and it's like kind of one of those small beach towns still but it's still like mm-hmm. enough of like I can go wherever to the taqueria down the street and we get insane food and so i I think that's like the next move because it's so much it's so crazy how expensive it is even from like when i lived in hollywood to when i lived in covina for example like the price difference of living central los angeles downtown hollywood north hollywood uh santa monica all that shit it is insane and then obviously you go out to calabasas and all that and it's I can't afford that. I'm just real. I can't afford yeah. that. Yeah. They're pricing Who people can? out on purpose. That's like kind up. of the vibe. Yeah, yeah, that's true. So you've talked about like kind of moving, especially with the vibe of, you know, supporting a family living in kind of a more suburb outside of a major city. And I know we've kind of talked about how, you know, having Scarlet has kind of affected your just total view on life and kind of like your your idea of a legacy. Do you find that since you've had Scarlet, you kind of have a different style of writing or like different emotions feel more intense like has that really shown up in your creative process much you know I don't think it's it's showed up in creative process I think it's more so when I have to leave that's when it's way more Mm. difficult like if I'm if I have to be gone for days like gone for shows or things like that it's so hard to like face it's great because we're able to FaceTime these days but like yeah, it's not the same you know it's not the same like getting to be here and your daughter just starts laughing or like hannah with her and like just all of the the little moments and that's something i knew from the beginning like that's touring like you miss all the important dates like that's what it is you know and it's it sucks to do that but i think that's been the hardest part so far is like leaving but knowing that i'm leaving you know to support the family and to do what i gotta do right but like having Mm -hmm. to miss those little situations it's it's definitely a a, it's definitely difficult but i think in the writing process everything's been kind of similar it's just more so now working my schedule to a time that works you know Mm -hmm. but i mean i like i said i wouldn't change anything and it hasn't really changed i i do i create what i create and that's how it's been and i i don't think that's going to differ in any way you know just right. from having having her. Yeah. Yeah. What is your creative process like? Because I know we've worked a bunch together, but we've never been in the room. So I've never, I, I'll send you an instrumental and then I swear to God, within like 15 minutes, you send me a full top line. <laughs> so, so I would funny. love to know like kind of what your typical schedule looks like, especially now that you're a father, you know, and then kind of what your process is of working out a song, especially as you're going at it from a vocalist or a top liner, right. whether you're going to be the vocalist or you're going to be, you know, pitching it to somebody what what is that process like for you? Because everybody's a little different, so I'd right. love to hear yours. You know, for me, I think I used to do it, do things way differently, but the way I've been locked in kind of re- recently, since I've been working a lot from home, I've been, I'll wake up, 
I, I like to start by 10 a.m. I feel like if I'm in the morning, I'm going right away. I feel like I'm I'm able to create way more. I used to be like the late night session guy, and some some days I'll I'll yep. do a late night session and and work that way. But I'm early morning start, and I'll usually put the office on TV muted, chug a monster, smoke a cigarette, sit down at the computer, and I'll start with melodies. I'm like. I'll structure, like, say, for example, if you send me a verse and a hook produced, right. I'll structure the song out completely, and then I'll do full passes of just freestyles through the whole song. Sometimes they're just melodies. Sometimes they'll be keywords. And then from there, it's like, I'll take, like, this was the chorus. Fly that over. I'll take, this is the verse. Let me comp this verse together. And then from there, then I'll go in and write afterwards. If I don't get it in the first four passes of like, these are the melodies, I take a step back from it. Cause like, right. I know for me, if I'm, if I'm trying to beat a dead horse and continuously think of new melodies and it's not coming naturally anymore, it's not going to turn out to be good or something that I'm going to love. So yeah. I walk away from it and then I come back to it later and I'll just start something new. I'm super ADD when it comes to working. Like, I'll switch over sessions like, oh, all right, I've just finished this verse. This verse is cool. Let's walk over to this this song right here. And I'm going to try to cut a chorus for this. And then that way I'm not like, my brain doesn't get like stuck making one thing. So it all feels fresh right. every time I open it back up. And then from there, it's like, once I have like melodies and then everything written lyrically, I'll cut a rough and then sit on it a couple days. And then when I go in, rewrite and then cut a final. You know, and then that way I can just send over, like to you, like how we do, I just bounce out all the stems, cut everything else, and then you add the final, the sauce on everything. Because I'm o I'm only so good at mixing and, and engineering myself. Like, I can get by and, like, do enough, and but I know that's not what I'm good at, you know? So that's why, like, I'm so grateful for you that I can just send these things over and then you can dial everything in and fine tune everything how it's supposed to be because that shit drives me crazy. Well, and I think that's like a great part of the, especially the remote collaborative process is like when sometimes when I send you an instrumental, I mean, there's not much there. It's like a bass, a key sound, and then some drums for the chorus. And then I'll kind of let you do your thing so I don't overcrowd you. And then, you know, some sometimes not much gets added when I get your vocals and you get the final, you know, complete mastered track. Sometimes the instrumental is way different right. i mean it's not like fundamentally different but there's a ton of extra shit added but it's cool because then we get to kind of like it's almost like we're writing to your vocal from the start because I'm, you're getting such a blank template right and it's cool to see that you don't really filter yourself that much when you're writing like it sounds like you're not too in your head it's really just off of like initial feel and emotion yeah. like you know immediately you're like that melody's a hit or that melody's not it so totally. we're gonna move on and i, I feel like by doing that because in the beginning, I used to be like, I'm going to write lyrics first, and I'm going to really focus on what this song says. And I was like, no one gives a fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. like, especially like current radio. Obviously, like when you write a song, like you want to write a song that is a good song and tells a story. But like mm -hmm. at the end of the day, for me, the most important part to me is a melody. Because even if people don't know the words to the song, if they hear that melody, that melody of what you were singing is going to be stuck in their head. So I try to focus on right, making and that sure evokes that, emotion. Yeah. So I've been trying to focus like solely on that, and then telling telling stories. Like it's one of those things where like a lot of you know a lot of the music that I've wrote 
has come from a place of this was my real life. Right. Or songs that I've written have been this is what has happened or these are friends that have gone through these experiences or these are moments and times that aren't what's going on in my life. Like you write a song to tell a story. I was telling this the other day. I'm like an author. Like that's how I I I picture being a songwriter. It's right. like you are there to tell a story and to portray a story to a person who knows nothing about you or nothing about that situation, but wants to be in the moment with you. Right. So writing that song is now focused to like putting people in a moment in time, whether it's even that chorus is a moment in time or the verses tell the story to get to that chorus. It's all just creating a space to where someone can be like, holy shit, like that's insane. Or like, wow, what's going on here? Or, I want to know more. Like, that's kind of what songwriting has been for me lately, trying to tell stories, which I feel like I've done right. the whole time. But now it's more so like I feel like that's really what's going on. Yeah. I mean, it's cool to see that like I see a lot of people kind of overthink their creative process. And it's nice to see that, you know, you do kind of keep the story in mind. But I think that a lot of people kind of sleep on like the importance of how much emotion listening to a song comes from just like the actual melody. Right. Like, you know, Max Martin, the like biggest pop songwriter of all time exactly barely speaks I, English. And that's exactly why I started doing what I do. Melody first. Yeah. Because of Max. And, well, yeah. and he was like, I want people that are in Japan to know what the song is about without yeah. knowing what the lyrics are. And like, you can do that just from tonality, different kind of production techniques, using different effects, the way that you inflect certain words over others. And so it's cool to see that like, it's almost like I think of that as kind of like, you know, when you're communicating with somebody and body language is kind of telling you more than right. what they're actually saying. That's how I feel like melody is for yep. a song. You know, it's like that's really saying more than the words right. sometimes, mm -hmm. especially because words can be such a personal thing. But that melody is like it's either going to resonate or it's not, totally. you know, when you can forget the words and like get the words wrong, but you're not going to forget a melody or Fuck get the melody no. wrong. You know, how many times are you like, what's that song that's like, nah, 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 and you don't know the words I'll to it, but you know do, the melody. I'll try to do that shit on my phone. Like, what song is this? And I'll try to hum the melody to it, like <laughs> yes. it, thinking it's going to pick it up on Shazam. doesn't work a lot of the time. I do too. Well, have Never, you seen I know, that? And Google says that they can do it, but I don't know how accurate it is. Is I've tried it. And yeah, Google has like a whole commercial that... They were spending so hell of money really, on You can just <laughs> and sing the melody. They were like, you can yeah. hum it in. But every time I do it, I, Google basically tells me to go fuck myself and gives me nothing. <laughs> like, <laughs> or it'll nice give try, you like dude. five. Yeah, or it gives you like five of the most obscure songs that you've never heard of in your entire life. You're like, yeah, the algorithm Google just brings you. up a web page for WebMD under tone deaf. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're going to die. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But it's cool to hear that, that, you know, you can still kind of write with melody and with lyrics totally. simultaneously without micromanaging one over the other so like when you're when you're writing even in the early process do you kind of have like a gut instinct on like oh this has potential to really be a smash versus like something about this doesn't feel right how often totally. do you think there's a song that you sit on that you don't love and then ends up really surprising you at the end or vice versa you really love from the start and then by the end you're like ah, i kind of lost it you know it so in that aspect, this is one thing for me. If I start working on something and I fucking hate it, I'll never go back to it. <laughs> I'll just cool. say fucking. I'll it's never fine. touch it again because if it doesn't have that spark from the beginning for me, it it's not going to work. And then I'm going to resent it later on if I release it. Um, yeah. And then for you know, in in other ways, like even the songs I love, for example, like like let's take Los Angeles for example. I have mm -hmm. heard those songs so many times. And it's, it's new to someone every day. Like that album is a new album to someone. But for me, I have heard that song, those songs 
probably a year before they even released the album was done. And then from then to here, I'm like, I don't want to hear them. I don't want to play them, which sucks because I want to play. I, I've never really played those songs live. And that was why when I did that Texas oh, festival, I played all pretty much all new song, all the Los Angeles songs because I wanted to like play them. But those. Right. But yeah, that's the same thing. If I love a song normally, I'm always going to love that song. And there's always things that I'm going to love. But I end up despised. I, I end up hating listening to the songs after a certain amount of time. I'm like, let's move to the next thing. That's just my brain just yeah. constantly wanting something new to work on. I mean, you work quick, too. Like, I try. You can go through a whole album. And I feel like you could write a whole album in two weeks. Like, if, if we you were had just the in the room. Yeah. If we, like, and that's the thing. If, if, say, you and I were in the room, like, and that was that's, like, going to be the next goal is, like, us being actually in the room creating. Like, how I love to right. make that happen is, like, we go in and we find... We do one song a day. Don't stress yep. out over that. One song a day. Start from the production, and we build these songs out, and then we rewrite them. So that way, by the end of the day, we at least have a, a pretty structured out idea of what we're gonna do. Because and then you can take that home and sit on yeah, it. Yeah, and then usually it's like if if I'm not if I'm spending just one day when we're doing production and songwriting, I'm usually I usually love it because it's not. I'm not focusing on just writing all that day. It's like we're creating the right. song, like we're finding the drums, we're picking out what song, what sounds good on, on the keys, and like figuring out how to make it. Like it's, it's, it's more a, exciting. Yeah, it's way more exciting. Like I'm, I told Matt, I told my manager that the other day. I was like, you know, I love being in the room and actually working on shit with people. Like, but now I'm so fine with being home that shit. Send me packs of whatever. Like it's totally good. But yeah. like I think the the spark and that magic is made when people are in the room together, creating it together. Like obviously we've yeah, created some sure. great things like Montclair, for example, like that's my favorite one on the, on the album. And mm -hmm. we created that not even in the same room, but it was one of those things where like we had to figure out how that song worked and it was a right. completely different idea in the start. And like, I, we just had that moment where you sent me that instrumental. I was like, Oh shit, this is it. Yeah. So, it all it all kind of it's it works in so many different ways for me and I feel like it's probably the same for a lot of other people too but as long as I I'm enjoying what I'm doing it'll all work out if I'm not right. I'm going to be like fuck this I'm done I don't even need like yeah. I've had sessions where I've been in the rooms with people and we're creating shit that I don't like and I've said hey let's steal let's steer a different way steer a different direction let's do something else and like they want to keep working on shit and I'm like, whatever, I'm just going to push through this and I'm never going to touch it again. So it's like a waste of your time. Yeah. Right. You're like, look, I'm going to give you your time's worth because I'm already here. Yeah. But like, don't expect me to be invested once totally. I leave today because totally. I don't I don't love this. Yep. Yeah. What's uh, do you have like a favorite session you've ever been in, whether it's for one of your songs or something that you've written with somebody or just a session that you were hanging in? Like, is there one session that kind of stands out above the rest of just like that was like the epitome of a good session, whether it was just a good vibe or what came out was crazy or, you know, you know anything. I think my ones. favorite, so it's not even like a session. My boy, Jacob Sesney plays saxophone. So he, that's the saxophone you hear on a lot of the, on all the songs, mm. basically besides under pressure that Clinton played sax on that. So right. what we do in the, like when we finish the album, we have Jacob come in and I just, I tell Jacob, do whatever the fuck you want. It's all good. And I, we just get to sit in the control room and listen to Jacob play saxophone. And Jacob plays for Bear, Posner. He played on, like, he plays for crazy people. And right. he just comes in and he's like, dude, I would love to play on this. Like, he's the, he's the sweetest guy. But 
we sit in the control room and just he's like, all right, I'm going to give you the lead and I'm going to give you the high and low harmonies for everything. And the dude just goes in there and freestyle rips on the saxophone. And it's like, that's amazing. It's like mind blowing. And that's like my favorite point of of when the album's closing out is like watching Jacob go in and just like totally create from the heart and like what he feels. Yeah. Because like. I was, I was like, dude, you know, I'm not trying. I don't want to control what you're doing. Like, I don't want to tell you what to play or where to go. I was like, you play what feels right, and if it and if it works, we're gonna use it in that part. And if not, whatever, we'll clip and we'll take what we need from wherever we need it. And so mm-hmm. those were my favorite times watching him play saxophone in the sessions for sure. Because that's like, it's a moment. Lights are all low. It's dark in the yeah. control room. Like. And just hearing him rip is insane. Yeah, that would be really cool to see. <laughs> well, there's there's something too that's just like so inspiring about like watching like just a, a beautifully trained musician just run with, you know, that's a big reason so that like cool. improv jazz bars are such a, a right. big hit is because it's just like you're watching these people that are so stupidly smart musically. Right. But they're still not really thinking about it. Yeah, it's not like at all. It's, it's they would play stuff memory. that you're never going to yeah. write on your piano. Yep. It's like a, a midi sax, you know. And something about just watching them rip is like the the instrument starts to have like such a unique voice. Rather than me just being like, "Yo, dude, do you like this guitar riff yep. that we can turn into a full track?" It's just a totally different creative right. process. That's so sick. Uh, let's see, what do we got on here? We do. We've talked about so much. You act. You actually naturally went into like most of these topics. Love yeah, that, that always happens. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it's just gonna stem in like a real conversation. It all just like kind of plays out. And that was the point of this. That's yeah, what I want this to be, dude. Is... Like I told everybody, like our kind of mission statement was like, I want this to feel like I'm chatting with friends and like right. we met up for you know a drink at a coffee shop or whatever, and we just hang out for a couple hours and like talk about music and life and your journey and see what parallels with our journey and it's just it's really cool to see like I don't know how different everybody's kind of path to what they're doing is and like Mm -hmm. you've had a a crazy journey yeah you have I know we talked a little bit about you like TMing at the start did you just like actually naturally fall into that like I know you said you were working at a a barber shop so like like in, How did you know that that was what you wanted to, I to like? <laughs> I didn't at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like that was kind of the job that was available. And like at that point, it wasn't like tour management like I do now. It was more like mm. make sure that my drunk friends get in the van, make sure we get paid and make sure that no one gets hurt. Like that was like the whole mission. The vibe statement. curator. Yeah. I was yeah. like, oh, that's I, was I, was vibe, I was vibe tech and I was, you know, but I was there like, and then from there, Andy Sarahu is a part owner of chain reaction or owns chain reaction. I don't even know at this point, but he's over at, um, owns that. So he, I, I was tour managing and I kind of asked him, I was like, yo, can you give me the rundown from like the venue side of like settlement sheets and show me kind of ropes of it? And he's like, dude, of course, like you've been doing this touring enough. Like here's, here's how it really works. So finally, when I, at that point I, I like found out, Oh shit, this is what I really need to be doing. And then it turned into like making budgets and fucking, booking flights and making schedules and like when it comes to tours advancing the whole tour and running the show how we want it to run and just like it turned into so much stuff that I never really wanted to do but I just ended up being good at it because I'm not I'm scatterbrained artist like but when it comes to me tour managing for other people I can somehow put it all together and it makes perfectly in order sense to everyone but for me I'm like uh I can't do it what's what's do you think your favorite part about tour managing seeing like for example for i tour manage cash page still for example 
Um, we were just right. in Portugal and in London last week. Um, you know, with her, she's just, I think when I started with her, maybe a year, not even, not even a year ago, when I started with her, it was like kind of the beginning of her playing shows and watching her growth right. as an artist from the first show to where she is now confidence wise and getting more in depth of like how the show's going to roll and like doing all these things from like an MD perspective and like being comfortable in her skin. That's what I love seeing is as a tour manager and an artist, because those are all the things that I would want to happen for me as an artist. Right. So like seeing that go down and like just knowing that she's comfortable with being on stage and knowing that I'm going to do whatever it is to make sure that she sounds the best and playback is good. Cause I run, I'll, I'll run her playback for, her. I handle all that stuff with when it comes to touring with her. But that's the thing, seeing, seeing artists grow from when I start with them to where they are, you know, to this point is like the best feeling. Cause right. for me, I, I want to be comfortable with the team around me and that's why I have the team around me that I have. You know, and it's the same with other artists. They want to be comfortable with their team and know that their best interest is always at play. And I feel like that's the coolest part for me is is seeing that and making sure that it's always happening that that direction. It's right. too bad that you don't absolutely love tour managing because I feel like you're a really good tour manager. <laughs> I, <laughs> Not that you don't love it, but I don't, that, you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I don't hate it, but I I'd rather be doing something else. I think is the best. I'd exactly. rather be doing Damn you for having an artistic passion. Yeah, maybe when that's you're like older and like retired, you're like old man. You're like I'm done with the music. Maybe then you'll be a tour manager. Uh, again, and then know? I'm gonna be home retired. <laughs> I ain't doing shit after that point. You think I'm gonna be dealing with that? Move to Sarasota. <laughs> yeah, direction. you'll catch me in the same outfit you got. We'll be matching outfits, Austin. Just like. Cuban Miami shirt. Oh, you want me to send like, you? You want me to send you a? Send me the link. Like please. a Terry Don't cloth tell set. Send me the link. Yeah, send me the link. <laughs> Need it for the summer. Uh, if any listeners want to send, you can find Riley's address at. <laughs> uh, nope. <laughs> Don't have a PO box. Yeah, no. I saw the I saw the clips so from that cash page run that you just did with her, and it's crazy. I mean, that was a huge audience. That's also the song that she just released a little yeah. like in studio snippet of. Yeah, Oof. she's so good. Heat. Yeah, she's yeah, you know, we she's got, crazy. Went to the studio one night when we were in London. Cause we we've been trying to get a song together for a minute, and she had to go there for another artist she was featuring on, and just like watching her work was just how I work, like melody cutting things. Yeah. In the five minute yeah. session, like, and I'm doing that, I'm like freestyling part by part, like kind of old little Wayne style, how we would just freestyle these bars, boom, those work. All right, I'm gonna figure out the next four bars, like, and just watch her cut this song right. in like probably 30 minutes of feature. Just wrote it from there. I was like, yes, like Dang. I get it. And the engineer's like, you work really fast. I was like. Yeah, she does. I was like, she, <laughs> I was like, you don't have to do much. Just make sure her mic. Yeah, that's my good. favorite though. Right, that's how you know though. It's yeah. like if you can just keep it going. Yeah. I don't know. I f- I find every song that I like sit on and overthink. It just ends up being like, nah. Yeah, and then you just have yeah, a folder of stuff you look back on. And you're like, uh, why did I even open this back? Like I did that yesterday. I like opened a bunch of session files up, and I'm like. Nope, 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 nope. Mm, that top line could be cool, but I'm not gonna waste my time. Nope, nope. So I just like kept going, like yeah, like gaslight myself into being like, no, I probably have cool shit in there, and then I'm like, no, I don't. Yeah, I just I know I stopped doing working on those for a reason, and I know I'm not gonna put them out for a reason. So why even lie to myself and try to make it a, a thing right. when it's not? I don't need to. The next thing you're gonna make is gonna be cooler, and you're you're always gonna pro- progress in your creativity process, and that's like what I have to remember. It's like I'm gonna write a shitty song. 
It might be today. It might right. be tomorrow. I'm going to write a shitty song. But you have to get the shitty song out to write another good song. Yeah. Yep. Like, and if if I'm not constantly progressing, like, what am I doing this for? So it's like, I, you have to, like, be mm-hmm. okay with that, that failure process of, like, all right, this wasn't cool, but I know I can I can move up from and make another one. Yeah, I just think that comes with time and experience and, like, being able to kind of trust yourself and, you know, trust your artistic vision. Totally. So I know, I don't want to give away too many details, so if I need to cut anything, just let me know. But I know that you've got the full length scheduled. So I know that's kind of already set in stone. When is this Following podcast that, releasing? Like I know this, yeah. So we'll, mm. we're going to shout everything out because Prodomy will have come out because this will be on Monday. That's uh, This will probably be either August 22nd or September 5th. Well, Prodomy will be out for sure. If it's in yeah. September, It Never Rains in LA will be out for sure. And I don't have the exact date, but I know October is going to be the album release. So like we're getting to okay. the end. We're like really close here. Um, I feel like by the time everyone's listening, uh, we should have <laughs> we should have the album uh, announced and released. But yeah, the Prodigy with Marky Basie comes out this month on the on the 29th of July, and then yep. I want to say end of August. I don't have the exact date, but it never rains in LA is going to drop. And then Sweet. October, mid-October is going to be City of Angels LP2 release. So it's like, I'm fucking stoked to get this shit out. Like, it's, oh, I bet. it feels, you know, it's, I, I, like today, like we were talking about, like, I feel like so happy that it's finally like, we're done with it. You know, and that's just yep. my, like, my brain going, all right, time to the next thing. Like, luckily, we've already been yeah. working yeah. on a whole nother EP of shit already. So it's <laughs> well, like, that's what I wanted to talk about was like, I know that this one thematically kind of, you know, we just talked about earlier. This one kind of builds off of where Los Angeles kind of leaves off with that kind of being the, um, I guess, like the epitome of you starting your come up. Like, I don't want to say rock bottom, but it's definitely like the journey to like your metamorphosis into right. current you. And so we get to kind of like experience that through this new LP. So after this one's done, is there going to be like a trio kind of vibe or are we kind of branching off into like almost a different universe of stories and I think like it's writing gonna, styles? Yeah, it's going to be like, I think full different universe. I think I'm going to, my plan and kind of how I've been writing is like, I want to take it back to a dark time. Like I want to go back because like right now, like my life is so good and so full and everything I right. have, I am so grateful for. But I want to like, I want to reach back and tell some stories of like, even if they're not like my stories to tell, I want to tell mm-hmm. these stories of like this dark time in of, of surrounding of things surrounding me or things that were happening to me. Like I just want to make something different. And I want to have like, Oh, when I have the West coast singles where like, that's a power one Oh six song, you know, like I want to have right. like on rap radio songs. And that's my plan. Like, the pop thing has been great and I love it and it's just kind of what I do but like I can always write pop choruses on songs that are going to be you know not that lane of music so mm-hmm, I just for sure I'm trying to keep it more fun like right like I want to enjoy what I'm doing and I want to create from a different space and I feel like now I'm able to do that and now that all this is done it's it's only going to be it's just going to be a cool new time I feel like it's going to be all new for me and that's like something i've been looking forward to because i've been kind of in this rut of like doing the same shit you know right and it's not like i hate the stuff that i was doing but it's just it that's what comes natural 
and I want to step outside the right. box and try to push myself to do something a little more uncomfortable for me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And will this be like the first time ever? And if so, does it bring like a little bit of uncertainty or anxiety writing about times that you were honest at during the moment, but then kind of reflecting on that with a totally different state of mind where, you know, it's one thing to write about being depressed, like when you're depressed or writing right. about addiction, when you're in the midst of addiction. But yeah, are you excited slash I'm excited kind of anxious and, and nervous so to, anxious. Like I, <laughs> I was yeah. saying like my anxiety level has been at like an all time high and it's more so not, not from the writing standpoint, but just on how it will be perceived and what it will do for my legacy, I think would be the best way to put it. And like how it's mm-hmm. going to pertain to get me to the next stages. Cause Right. You know, I don't know. And yeah, I shouldn't be like looking at the results of it. But at the end of the day, like it's a job yeah. as well as being something I love. So I kind of have to be in the, the mode of like, all right, I, I can't put out a, a fucking kids bop album and expect it to right be relative and people to love it because that's just not realistic. You yeah. Know? So, right. yeah, it, you know, it, it comes and goes. It comes and goes in waves. And like we were said, it's more so more so figuring out how to do it and do it in a way where I'm enjoying it, but still being myself. And I think that's, right. that's like, we're so honest and vulnerable and important, but it's, it's something that it's also easily digestible for right, others too. Right. You know, it, it gives them a lane to kind of pay attention to what you have to say rather than just, there's a lot of music that feels really important, but it's like kind of a, a draining task to listen yeah. to. So it's like, I don't know if I can even grasp that. So it's cool that you're able to kind of like still entertain while, you know, giving important uh, insight on life. I I don't know. I'm really excited to see how the feedback is for this stuff that you've been working on for the full length. I'm honestly really excited to dive into the next batch of things. Yeah, me too, man. I'm excited. That's the most, like, for me, the most important part is putting this next album out. I can't, I just want to see the response because I feel like every time I I release something or tease something, like the response has all been good, you know? Right. And I'm excited to have that in people's hands because, yeah, I would have loved to put this album out when we did the deluxe. Like that would have made way more sense because the deluxe had been out for a, a year before the deluxe came out. But that's not how it worked. And I had no well, control. Especially with COVID. Like yeah. everybody did a year and a half or two year later deluxe, especially because most people needed to tour it. Right. Like, mm-hmm. You know, that was just album cycles basically were paused. So it was like the album was a year and a half old, two years old, but like not really. Right. You know? And that, yeah, I, but I'm just like, you know, for, for me, I'm, I'm ready for yeah. the next chapter, which, and then that'll run for a bit. When yeah. you get a song and you're kind of done with it, are you big on like showing everybody to either A, get feedback or B, just kind of like flex the song in its finished form? Or do you like everybody to kind of I wait until it it's I send it to all it's my ready. friends. <laughs> like, <laughs> do I don't care. Yeah. Like. I'm the same way. Yeah, I don't give a fuck. Like, it's not going to be leaked. And if it's leaked, it's still going to get streamed. I don't care. My friends aren't going to leak anything. Like, I said, it's it not to like Justin everyone. Bieber, you know? Yeah, yeah. but not yeah. worrying about fucking someone in a random country getting the album and putting it on the internet on some blog site that no one knows about, but uh, the, the stands of it do. Like, it's not like that. Yeah. And I want to, I want to, like, right. know, like, do you fuck with this or are you not? I fuck with this. Cool. Right. If you don't know, what do you think should be changed? Should we fix anything? Do we need to go back in? Like, but if I'm like stoked on it, 
I only send shit out to people that I'm stoked on that I have a pretty good idea like this is going to be on the album. Yeah. Right. You're not really testing the waters. You're no. more so just like, hey, confirm for me that yeah. this is this is a banger, right? But like don't, I'm not tripping. This is but crazy. don't just tell me it's good because I that's what I want to hear. Like actually like let right. me know. So luckily I've the people in my life are like, okay, this will be like me and Chris talk a lot. Like when I send him the whole album, Chris is like, this is album two. Like this is album two. And he's like, Can you change do you would what do you think about like spending more time on this verse of this song? I was like, I'm not touching that song again. Like it's been done for six months. Like he's like, all good. I totally get it. He's like, that would be what I'd want. What I'd want you to do. And I like, I appreciate that because it's real. And he lets me know like he's actually listening, and this is what it would be from a listener perspective of someone who loves the music. Mm-hmm. So I'm grateful, man. Is there a song that's on the on the upcoming string of releases that has gotten just like over? Like, is there one that your your friends group is like the banger of the album already, or is it too too early to tell? I'm trying to think of like what. Let me look at the whole list. I have my pick, and Miranda and our, our couple close friends pick? that have heard me. What's your pick? I don't remember the n- names of all of them. <laughs> Yours is proud of me. I think. Oh, was good. That's when I was thinking, but I was like, I, is that because I'm remembering that one right now? And I was like, I don't know. I want to be a liar. <laughs> Mine was probably crying in first class. Oh, yeah, that one's really I love good that too. one. And then it was probably proud of me. I and now it's probably Montclair. Yeah, like, I think for me, like Montclair, for sure... Um, it never rains in LA because I it's just been I've had that song done for so long and have wanted to release it for so long. Yes. And then uh, running because running kind of came at a we I was in New York with Drew who uh, is from Stray the Path Stray from the Path. And, Drew York, right? Yeah, Drew York. So we went to his studio and Bluff produced this song we were just like kind of it was kind of like songwriting camp days i was there for like an in-studio performance and we went to the studio at night and we started working on songs and we started working on one idea and one idea and then he's like i think i have this this idea for us and pulled up running and we just like run in run in like we we had that idea yeah. from that other song that run in run in and then i was like run in run in so we started that and like that one came together so fast we did it and I was like this we got to put this out. So yeah. That's like I got a lot of fa- I feel like every song on this album I really love, you know? I'm just over listening yeah. to a lot of them. Yeah, fair. <laughs> Cuz I have to hear it a million times when I'm going record. All right, one two, all right, let's count this in. Like that's what gets draining to me cuz I'm listening to playback. I'm trying to mix things down enough. I'm trying to hear how it sounds all stacked and add harmonies and do all the bullshit that comes along with it. That's part of the job, right. baby. Yeah. Yeah. All, I think uh, I did five or six for the album. And I think yeah. between all of them, there's been like over a thousand plays between me <laughs> making the first draft, hearing your version, mixing, listening to them just out of pure enjoyment. Yeah. Like I listened to, I listened to Margella this morning. Just, I was like, I just want to hear it. That's Matt. That's Matt's <laughs> favorite. My manager's favorite. He's like, is Margella's it? the fucking one, dude. Yeah, that one's sick. I love that one too. Do you have plans, or maybe plans is like the wrong word, but do you have hopes or or like the vision of touring this album, or are you, are you going to just put this one out and try to stay home with it? Yeah, so that's the plan. We're kind of working on we're kind of working on that right now. My goal is do we're trying to fit because I don't want to I don't want to headline tour again. Like I want right. to be back on a support tour. So the plan is do try to get all the festival plays that we can because those are going to be like best case scenario because. When you see sure. me on stage and when you hear me, there's no walking away from it. It's like this moment where people are like, what the fuck am I watching? This is so good. So right. festival plays are like main concern. And then 
I want to go back over to UK Europe because I had to cancel my my London headline show and my Germany headline show due to COVID. So mm-hmm. we're trying to like get those back again. But yeah, it'll be probably starting after December, like New Year. We're going to be starting yeah. all the touring touring cycle up again, which will kind of be perfect time. Yeah, I just I, I knew that you were you know a fresh father. And we just talked about how hard touring is especially with TMing. So I was yeah. like, I wonder if, if touring is in the cards absolutely. for the album or if they're going to do like an online kind of push. So no, it's cool. It's I'm- absolutely touring. Like that's, and, and Hannah's so, Ozzy, what are you doing, bud? <laughs> what? He's so sad. What are you whining it's about? hard life being a dog. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you want to be on the podcast? Oh. <laughs> this motherfucker. <laughs> wow. That's a good opinion. Good yeah. opinion. He hates it. <laughs> um, but yeah, so yeah, he hates it. He's like a tour. Yeah. No. Yeah, he, he gets so depressed when I leave. It's so funny. But yeah, so luckily, like Hannah knows, like this is part of the job that comes with it, is like having to be on tour, and especially as an artist, like you have to play the shows to connect with the people who love these shows because they want to experience it in a whole different aspect when they come to the venue to see it. Like it's one thing listening on album, but when you're seeing it in full force. Like when you guys came out to see Half Alive, like I love Half Crazy. Alive. I love Half Alive as a band. And then you see them live and you're like, oh my God, this band is insane. So it's like the they same were crazy. aspect. That was a weird experience because we were not familiar yeah. with really? the music. We were just coming to hang with you because I remember I was like, dude, we gotta meet in person. And you were like, I'm in Orlando TMing on a half a live date. And I was like, cool. I was like, I don't, don't know much of their music, but I'll come hang and right. I'm always down to see live music. And then it's literally like Miranda's most listened to album. So Give me good. Part year. Part one. So for good. Sure. Her most listened to album of 2022, probably by a long shot. Yeah. And wow. now I'm pissed that I wasn't a fan of them because I'm I'm like, I saw them live when I was, didn't even know their music. And now that I am so obsessed with this album and I was like, damn, I didn't even get to appreciate right. it as much as I would have appreciated well, it now, in, but it's kind of cool. Yeah. I think Jan, I don't know. I don't know, but I know next year, like we're going to be, I'm going to go on tour with them again as their TM. So we'll be in, I'm sure we'll be back. So you can experience yeah, it. Yeah. Let sure me hold the baby. Back. But oh, the half a live show was so like cute. such a cool experience to just see like, I've I've always just had like such a visceral emotion emotionally like charged reaction at shows right. especially for artists I love but it was crazy having that same reaction to an artist that I didn't even know. Right. And like, I think it just really goes to show the power of live music is like, it's one thing if I'm going and seeing an artist that has had a huge impact on my life and that's like bringing me to tears or like a right. gut feeling. But then when you get that out of a, an artist where you were like, I didn't come in with any preconceived notions. I don't yeah. know their music. Like their music doesn't mean anything to me at this point. Mm-hmm. was wild. I was like, damn, these guys are built different. So, Their show yeah. was crazy. If it's, anybody listens to this podcast, yeah, you have to go. Have to go see it live. It's such a, it's a, it's an art piece. It's it not is. just a live show. It's an art piece. It's a performance art piece. And Aiden and Jordan who handle all the choreography and like just everyone together, Josh Brett and Jay Tyler, like putting, they put so much into this show that like, like when I went to rehearsals for it, for example, I I was like, we were in a small room trying to figure out like how it really works and blah, 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 seeing it. And then we get to the first show and I, I pulled them aside after the set and I was like, hey, I just want to let you guys know I get it now. And it is insane. Like seeing this moment. And that's like, I try to, I want to do that live. Like that's how I want it to be too. Is mm-hmm. like you give an experience sure. to everyone. So 
Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Yeah, I remember when you were explaining it to us before the show, I was like, huh? I was like, choreography? Right. What is, what is this going to be? Like, Art pieces? Yeah, and, and yeah. I was like, I don't, I've, ne- I've never heard of that before. So I was like, I don't know what to expect. And wow, I was blown away in the best way possible. It was amazing. Yeah. And now I'm huge fans of them. So <laughs> really worked out. <laughs> you were like, there's a slam poetry yeah. break in the middle of the set. And I was like, uh, yeah, yeah. all right, cool. How is this like, going to work? And then you see it work and you're like, oh my God. <laughs> I saw people crying, and because we were higher up, I could see people like crying in the oh, crowd. Yeah. I was like, "Oh my god, this is beautiful!" Yeah, their fan base is. It was like, really an amazing. It's experience. cool because their fans are very like, they're the art kids in school, and like the kids like yes, the kids that don't have like, they don't feel at at like in a place of, of feeling together with everyone else when they're at school, and like when they're at this show, they feel a part of, and like they feel like they're somebody, mm-hmm. and that's like. That's one thing for me too that like I love seeing it shows is I love when people are together and like inclusive and like it's that's yeah. live music man it's it's, it's so amazing yeah hold on baby pass off she's the most calm baby of all time right now right Dude, now I didn't she's know no she love. was there I feel like though that's that's what music's all about you know it's great that you get to, you have to make the the music in the studio for it to be able to you know, resonate with anybody in the first place like right. you have to create the song but then yeah I do think that's like a major part of just like doing anything important with music is like a making people feel something but b if you can tie them into a community like all of my favorite artists that i know have a very specific fan base right. and so like even though i'm i'm you know fans of different artists so you know like the weekend's fan base might be virtually more might be very different than black bear's fan base right. which might be different than the jonas brothers it's yep. like i like all these artists and it's cool to see all these people that might come from different areas of life you know totally. you've got suburban kids you've got kids that grew up in you know east la you've got kids that grew up in the bronx and they kind of all like the same thing yep. and that's something that you know you only get through a couple things like music being one of the biggest in my opinion totally. so mm-hmm. i'm excited to, to see you play i can't wait can't wait man i'm excited all right let's go ahead and dive into these lightning round questions you can get as general or specific as you want with these answers i'm gonna let miranda take this segment okay the favorite your favorite place you've been to on tour that's gonna be tokyo japan for me oh snap you're gonna to tokyo that's so cool hard big flex yeah. <laughs> that and Lima, Peru. Another big flex. My man's Mr. Worldwide over here. <laughs> call me Mr. Worldwide. Call me Mr. 305, but don't call me one or the other All right. at the same time. You're listening to the sound table featuring Pitbull. <laughs> Dale. Um, okay. The most underrated spot in LA. It can be like food, tourism spot, any anything you're feeling. It doesn't have to be just the city of LA either. Yeah. It can be outlying suburbs General and boroughs. area. So I'm going to plug this little restaurant. It's called El Tepeyac Cafe. It's like in, I don't even know the exact place, but they make these burritos that are, you can't even see how far I'm holding my hands out on the screen. And the the owner, the he was like this little, I think he passed away now, but he would be in front of the store from when they opened, giving people shots of tequila while they were waiting to come in because the line is so long. So he would just be drunk with everyone oh all day, God. but the food is so good. So <laughs> El Tepeyac Cafe, it's one of those secret spots. Yeah. Shout out. That's so cool. Um, oh, your Holy Grail sneaker. I know you're a sneaker guy. Which is hard, I know. What I on. want or what I have. Because I'm not, I don't have any like crazy grail i got what you want like if you had an unlimited budget or you had to plug at nike or somebody be like hey what what one shoe do you want you were on the complex i mean as of now 
I would love the off-white Jordan one in the white. There's like a white one they did. Okay. So either those or I want the new the new off-white Air Forces in every color the possible. Louis? Yeah, the Louis off-white the, Air Forces. I saw the Louis Vuitton royal blues and I was They're like... so sick. Yeah, I was like, Riley got to get himself this yeah. as an album present, baby. <laughs> yeah. Tell your manager to come yeah. through. You just sent him 11. Yeah, come on, dude. <laughs> Get it together, Matt. I want those shoes. It's those your birthday so today, so happy birthday. But not when this is out. Happy but birthday, Matt. Just know, happy birthday. Sorry I texted you with business this morning before I said happy birthday. I just want you to get those shoes so you can ultimately put them up for sale on your Instagram That's and I can exactly buy those before Black Bear buys the rest of the collection. I'm going to have them for like a week and be like, nah, I'm over it. That's why I'm like, I'm, I have all those dunks and I'm like, nah, I'm back in white Air Forces all the time now. I'm like, I don't even care. They're so comfy. All I wear. Yeah. <laughs> They're so comfortable. Just, right. Next question. Uh, your favorite song at the moment. I love, all right, so the homies in another band that I tour manage almost Monday, they have just, their catalog's great, so peep that. But my favorite song right now is No Stoppin' by Kalen For Real, For Real, and Blast. Love it. Yeah. Word on the street is you're as good in the kitchen as you are in the studio, so what's your favorite Your boy's got sauce. Um, <laughs> I don't know because Hannah always says she loves everything I cook, so it could be very trash. And no one knows it, but um, <laughs> lately I've been. I heard from I heard from Drew. Okay, so yeah, I can cook, but lately I've been running slow cooker stuff. So I've been doing a Korean barbecue pulled pork lately, and that is fucking. Mm, that's my shit. My man's got a kid. He's breaking out the slow uh, cooker, so, dude. I just put eight. I'll wake up. It's perfect for every Saturday I watch UFC. That's like my ritual of sports I watch. So I'll wake up early, put the the pork in the slow cooker. And then by the time UFC starts, then like food's ready. So I'll do like pulled pork sliders or I'll do like some r- fried rice or I've been putting it on pizza, which is crazy. Ooh. Little, but yeah, so I like to cook. I just, or I don't nachos. like, I like cooking, but I don't like the process of cooking. I told Anna, I was like, yeah. if I could have I mean, a sous chef. they're all day chef, prepping, cleaning. Yeah, I was like, if I could have a chef that I go, add that to there. Okay, now give me that. Okay, perfect. Now let you add a little bit more of this. Give me two tablespoons. Like, if I could do that from the couch or some shit. Bro, you're Remy, the rat in the hat, baby. Dude, yeah. I wish. I wish. But I don't you have you, it. Uh, what's his name? Linguini? Linguini. Yeah, you need a little chef Linguini to. Yeah. 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 <laughs> we love that movie. That's a great one. All right. We, you literally talked about it earlier. So what's your favorite quote from The Office? This is so, so hard. This is a rough one. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what Creed, Creed quote I really love. I think my favorite one is when he's like, I've been in a number of cults, both as a leader and a follower. You have more fun as a follower, <laughs> but you make more money as a leader. That's my Creed quote. That's so good. Cult leader Creed. That's an S tier quote. Yeah, so good. Yeah. He totally would be a cult leader totally. too, for sure. What's the craziest thing you've seen at a show? This one's gnarly. Um, I was out with the Marmosets. Yeah, this is a sad one. Um, I was out with the Marmosets, and we were at Agora Ballroom. I can't remember who the headlining artist was. It was like we were out with the used, and I want to think, I think Chevelle was headlining. And Agora Ballroom is What year was this? uh, Not that long ago. Maybe like five years, four or five years ago. Um, so Agora Ballroom is like this old, huge theater in, in Chicago and like the, they have two tiers. So this drunk Chevelle fan climbed on top of the rafters. Like basically it's like, mm-hmm. it looks like houses on the, on the top tier. He climbed on top of the tier, fell back 
and behind it is was just rebar straight and impaled himself on the rebar and they had to cancel the show <laughs> like all oh, of us i was like fuck. oh my god shut the whole show down I had to bring everyone out of the building like yeah, rest in peace. I don't know if you That's died, so but it was it was crazy. It was crazy. That was like the the most wild. Oh, that is. Yeah. Yeah. That's so sad. Yeah. You're right. Oh yeah. my god. I was Super expecting gnarly. like, oh, this person just like ripped their underwear off no, and threw them on no. the stand. This, like, this man is like, oh, we watched the guy impale himself. Yeah. Luckily, like, you couldn't shit. see it. So like, basically, oh, you like saw him up top, and then you saw him fall, and like, there's no way to get back up. So like. They didn't know, mm. so they had security go around. And that was when they they went up and checked and saw, and they're like, "Those poor security they, guards." On the radio backstage, you could hear on the radio, "Is like, show shut down. We need an ambulance now." I was like, "Oh my god!" Whoa. Yeah. So Oof, that was the gnarliest thing I've had to experience in a show, and that's the story I tell every time I go to the Gora Ballroom now. Well, I'm hoping you don't literally ever have to beat that story out. No, so. I, yeah, I think really? that's the top. That's as bad as it'll get. Yeah, that's like Final Destination yeah, shit. Yeah, exactly. That's like crazy. Exactly. It's smooth, wow. smooth sailing from here, I guess, right? Everything's been good. Yeah, I think that's pretty much going to do it for the podcast. So before we outro you out, let the people know where they can support you, how they can support you, what you got coming up. I know you got a lot cooking. So uh, plug yourself for a minute. So if you want to get to know me, my name is Riley. You can follow me on Instagram at Riley M the number four and then the letter a same across twitter and tiktok which i fucking hate but i have to do it anyways because that's part of the job uh and then spotify itunes all that riley in all capital letters you'll see my tattooed face all over it and uh yeah proud of me drops july 29th with marky basie it never rains in la i don't know but it's september and then the new album city of angels october Let's go. Tons of heat on this album. I'm going to leak it all on an Instagram live before you drop <laughs> it. Yes, please. Just leak it. Including care. the ones I didn't even do because I, I have care. the folder. Yes, like all do. the masters. You got everything. I'm selling it for Ethereum. Just please. And then it'll dip real bad and then we'll have to buy it again. Yeah, I'll be like, hey, Riley, look, your album's officially worth like eight cents. Yeah, great. <laughs> the worst decision I ever made. Yeah, right. Well, thank you so much for, for joining oh, us today. Thanks for dude. having me. I had a blast yeah, was fun. chatting with you, but... Um, yeah, if you ever want to come back, you're welcome to come back literally whenever. If you ever want to come onto the channel and, and do a video on your writing process or you ever Let's want to break down a song, definitely do that. That would be we'd sick. love to have you. But other than that, man, it's been amazing chatting with you today. And uh, I'm sure I'll probably talk to you tomorrow. But. <laughs> sure you will. <laughs> it's an everyday affair. <laughs> All right. All right, y'all. Thanks for well, having dude, me. We appreciate you. Enjoy the day. Thank yeah, give Scarlett so a hug. I will. All right. Thank you. That's going to do it for the episode that we did with Riley. Once again, thank you so much to Riley for coming on this podcast and doing this episode with us. If you were listening all the way up until now, I hope you got a lot out of this episode. It was one of my favorites to film so far. And uh, yeah, once again, just make sure that you go show Riley some love. Go check out his music. Go follow him on all of his socials. You'll find all of that linked in the show notes down below, whether you're listening on Spotify or Apple Music or anywhere else. Other than that, if you're loving the podcast, make sure you like or rate or follow the podcast on whatever service you're using because it really, really helps us out a ton. We're really, really loving doing it. But 
Other than that, if you want to support the podcast, you can head over to makepopmusic.com where you can check out all of our sample packs, preset packs, and courses. We have tons of stuff over there, free and paid content that you can check out. All of that supports us massively. Since you've listened to this much of the podcast, if you're still listening, feel free to use the code RILEY20 for 20% off of your entire order. You can use it one time. After you use it once, it will expire, but we're not going to make that coupon expire in a certain amount of time. So if you listen to this podcast today, it releases or a year from now, feel free to use that coupon code and you can save 20% off your entire order. Once again, that's Riley20 at makepopmusic.com. But that's going to do it for this episode of The Soundtable. I hope you enjoyed it, but that's it for now. Much Much love. love. Peace. Peace.